Hello, it's Thursday the 2nd of November. I'm Alex von Tunzelman and it's increasingly difficult to know if I'm human or AI. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review. Every weekday we strap on our aqualungs and dive deep into the newspapers to search for buried treasure. Is that a pearl in the Times? A hoard of gold coins in The Guardian? A buxom mermaid reading The Daily Star? We're out five days a week for your listening delight, and if you'd like to help the show keep on growing and bag some swag for yourself, then why not join the Papercut Supporters Club? Just visit back.papercutshow.com, that's B-A-C-K dot papercutshow with two S's in the middle there, dot com, to find out how. There's a link in the show notes. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. Animal House, top civil servant says frat boy culture in number 10 hazed Britain's COVID response. Mistletoe and whining. The papers are obsessed with star-studded Christmas ads, but not everyone is happy. And tantrums and tiaras. A-list celebrity assistants spill the beans on Hollywood stars' constant demands. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we've all failed the Turing test. More coffee needed. I'm Alex von Tunzelman, and joining me on the show today is journalist John Elledge. Hi, John. What's your favourite AI? Hello, it's me again. I would say my favourite AI was Aurac, the evil laptop from Blake 7. Excellent choice. And also with us is comedian Finn Taylor. Hi, Finn. How much of you could be replaced by a computer? Morning. I didn't understand anything that John just said. So <laughs> I, feel on the back, I feel on the back foot already. So none of it. None of it. None of it could be replaced by a computer. Fine. So what's on the front pages today? I mean, as usual, at the moment, unfortunately, mm. we're looking at a bit of a bleak selection. John? There is some good news on most of the, the broadsheets today. The Telegraph has Britain's leave Gaza as border is opened. The Eye has similarly got 400 escape from Gaza hell, which is quite emotive for the Eye. They don't generally go in mm-hmm. for that. The Times, first Britons are allowed to flee Gaza into Egypt. The Sun has gone with a different angle. It's got a display of 32 pictures of Israeli children who are being held captive by Hamas. The headline is Bring Them Home. Wow. And Finn, what have you got? The Guardian leads with pandemic hit brain health of over 50s. Uh, the Star sticks with COVID. We've got a big picture of Boris with a red nose saying, can we kill COVID by blowing a hairdryer up our hooters? God bless the Star. Yeah. The Mirror, very visceral imagery of Gaza, escape from hell is the headline. And then the Daily Mail, God bless them. The headline is Musk's chilling alert over AI. But uh, also we should mention the top banner, which is, is this Britain's most meddlesome mother? Or is yours even worse? Well, Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) Is yours even worse? So a bit of an anti-mum Daily Mail today. Can I just say my mum's great. Hi, mum. Uh, My mum's great too. No comment. Okay. (laughs) Explosive testimony continues at the COVID inquiry. We had Dominic Cummings on Tuesday and yesterday it was the turn of Helen McNamara, at the time Britain's second most senior civil servant. John, what's she said? So, yeah, as you say, Helen McNamara was Deputy Cabinet Secretary and uh, she she is probably the most senior female official mm. anywhere in the government. Mm-hmm. And she's basically said that, the, so the, I mean, let's, let's be honest about it, it was quite blokey, macho culture. She said it's very difficult to draw any conclusion other than women have died as a result of this. Wow. What she's talking about there is basically because it was all men sat around the table making the decisions in 2020, there was no provision whatsoever for the fact that if you lock down the entire country, you are locking down an upsetting number of women with their domestic abusers. 
Yeah, and actually, um, that was commented on quite a lot at the time. That was commented on enormously at the time, but apparently not in apparently not in Downing Street. And McNamara says probably correctly it's because the people making the decisions are all men. Uh, there was another angle to this, which was also discussed. I think a little bit at the time, but it's it's a known issue. PPE, personal protective equipment, was designed for male bodies, not for not for female ones. Right. And it does seem to be like the fact that Simon Stevens, the chief executive of NHS England at the time, said there was no problem here. Right. It just feels like there was a certain amount of negligence and it was because basically everyone around the table was of the same demographic. I mean, I'm just wondering about the PPE because, I mean, you know, basically if you're talking about a face mask, our faces are pretty similar, men and women, aren't they? I mean, it doesn't go over your boobs or anything like that where you could see it would be definitely different. I mean, don't think those are a big COVID risk. I'm sort of wondering what would be different about PPE if it was designed for the women. Apr- aprons. And ICUs, the nurses had like, you know, that cling film. That's ap- true. Aprons. And there's been more more coverage of the domestic violence thing because it is a easier line to draw. Well, I think that one is far more serious. Yeah. And, I mean, but and childcare as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea of shutting schools and the, the whole kind of um, burden being put onto mothers. Maybe it's quite clear this was a sort of decisions taken by a bunch of absent dads. Well, you know, one in particular will spring to mind. I mean, yes, I do think there does seem to be some pretty serious stuff in here about the lack of diversity and not just gender, but also, you know, not consideration of, for instance, the fact that COVID was having a disproportionate effect on racial minority groups as well. Yeah, this is true. I mean, fundamentally, it's like this This is a known issue that like if everybody in a room is of the same demographic, there, there will be things that are not visible to them. Because another thing Helen McNamara said was that there was no day where COVID regulations were fully followed, were they, Finn? They said, they said that they did have one cabinet meeting near the start where they all followed the rules and it got so, in their words, unworkable and frustrating that they um, just sort of <laughs> broke down after one day of trying. And the rest of us the rest diligently of us doing tried it. Tried to get crack on. What I, what I find incredible about this is just the... It's annoying on two different levels. It's annoying on the level of like these people were not taking the safety aspects of a pandemic, you know, the need to protect people during a pandemic. They were not taking that seriously. But on another level, they were also imposing all these rules on the rest of us while saying they're too annoying to follow. And it's like this is somehow hugely infuriating. Whatever your views on lockdown, mm. all these people are awful. There's another quote I think it's worth reading out from uh, Catherine Hammond, who is the director of the Civil Contingencies Secretariat. Uh, this is from an email in 2020. Frankly, there are one or two men at director general level who just need to be told that their behaviours are driving this and to stop it. Right. The fact that we we can identify those men. I think we all know who we're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, sadly, this isn't the only story of sexism and discrimination in the papers today, though. Finn, what have you got? Well, it turns out the red arrows are pricks. Oh, no. I know. Not the Um, red arrows. What's happened? (laughs) Um, Well, it turns out that being a, uh, a stunt pilot... It's not the best, uh, not, not, not the best thing for the already fragile male ego. <laughs> and that, uh, Are you saying they're not great feminists? No, it turns out <laughs> that those squadron leaders haven't read Invisible Women. No, in, in more, I guess, going more serious tone, there, there are allegations of sexual harassment, and I think a couple of uh, the Red Arrows have been suspended. Yeah, there's also sort of. And apparently, attitude problems from the from the from the nine pilots to the uh, 140 ground staff. I mean, I I don't find this story surprising at all. 
it is also to a shocking degree it is this we've paired them up because it is to an extent the same story as what's happening in downing street that you just have this kind of like this sort of macho blokey culture that simultaneously is sort of you know misogynist ignores female voices in the room and is treating junior staff like shit mm. it is exactly the same problem but at least this is just the red arrows rather than the government of the entire country yeah yes. at least they can do you know worldly twirlies or whatever yeah, that's true. More useful yeah. than the government of the country, as we're now rapidly finding out. We're two days into November, and apparently it's already beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Most of us have probably barely taken down our Halloween decorations. Personally, I never take mine down. But the tabloids have gone mad with stories about star-studded Christmas adverts. From Graham Norton flogging Yule logs for Waitrose to Michael Bublé crooning for Asda, we're clearly now on the fast track to tinsel, sleigh bells and photocopying our bums at drunken office parties. Finn, are you ready for the festive season? Fuck yeah, love Christmas. We were saying before, it's slightly weird that we're talking about Christmas before Remembrance Sunday. Yeah, um, I think we should get the poppies done get first. it out, get it, get it done. But there's a story in the Times too, and uh, th- this always infuriates me. It's a bugbear of mine. I-, I read the Times, I like the Times, but they always have an article which you then look at the name of the person that's written it and you have the answer to the question posed. So, um, <laughs> two Christmas trees, I know people with one in every room, writes Helen Kiwan Taylor. Double barreled surname, we get it, love. Um, <laughs> How many rooms do you How many have? Rooms? Of course, do you know what I mean? But there's also the papers are sort of reviewing the Christmas um, adverts, which are starting to come out. And I can't yes. remember if it was you or John that told me about this mad situation with the M&S advert. Well, I might ask John to talk a bit about that. The M&S advert does seem to have a slightly mad situation. A campaign stars the fabulous Hannah Waddingham, but she's not what's caused the fuss, is she? Hannah Waddingham's never controversial. No, marvellous. Nothing but love for Hannah Waddingham. We love her. No, the problem was an outtake from one of the adverts. Not the advert itself, apparently. An outtake from from this M&S advert, which it posted to Instagram showed red, green and silver hats burning in a fireplace. Now, I think this is, you know, this is a witty comment on the fact that party hats are horrible. I say this as a man with an unusually large head. It's very <laughs> traumatic for me every Christmas. It's like, why aren't you wearing your hat? It'll be really embarrassing. It'll br- and every year I'm right and they're wrong. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, this Hannah Waddingham fronted ad campaign, little satirical comment on the fact that some people don't like party hats, throw them in the fire. The hats in question are red, green and silver. And the company has now removed the photo because there were complaints that those were the colours of the Palestinian flag. Oh my so goodness. what M&S and Haddon Waddingham had done <laughs> was to make a Christmas advert. Last August, by the way, before the conflict burst out, they made a Christmas advert which looks like they're setting fire to the flag of Palestine. I mean... It kind of, you know, if you stretch a point, it looks like that. I mean, really, like they it? obviously didn't do that. I mean, yeah. But the visual obviously does look like that. Right. So I do feel a bit sorry for the ad agency and the fabulous Hannah Waddingham who found themselves in this controversy through no fault of their own. But I would just like to say, so I went, I was in a pub last night in, in the fashionable King's Cross district of London and they were playing the Christmas playlist. On November the first. Oh my goodness! No, that's I've too already, much. Like, I've already hit Whamageddon. <laughs> <laughs> Onward to today's headlines. Are there any gems in the paper today? Finn, what have you got? Yeah, The Sun's got a story about how owners of Ford Fiestas have been urged to be alert because apparently one gets nicked every six hours and the headline is Fraud Fiesta. Oh, Strong. very good. And then my favourite story is page three of The Sun. 
And I know the tradition is to read the headline after the story, but in this instance, the story is, is funnier than the headline. So the headline is OnlyFans Got You Hot Under the Collar. And this is about an OnlyFans 2024 calendar. Mm-hmm. Now, just to make sure everyone's up to speed, OnlyFans is a sort of um, sex subscription. It's like a sort of naughty substack. Yes, online. Um, online, but with pictures. Anyway, so customers have been left slightly bemused by they bought these OnlyFans calendars and then, they, and then uh, it's got a sexy woman on the front. And then in, in every month, it's just a selection of fans, as in air conditioning. <laughs> Um, conditioning machinery I guess you'd say right just Um, pictures of fans yeah actual literal fans well I guess it's only fans well well, yeah I mean they can't be done for um, for advertising standards um, (laughs) and they have actually hit my kink so I'm happy John what have you got for us so the Daily Star continuing to uphold the high standards of journalism from which we expect from it has a completely gratuitous story about a 39-year-old mum in Sheffield who flew her two kids, Cherry, 6, and Teo, 14, to Italy for 24 hours to eat some pizza. That's right. a quote. On the grounds that a couple of Ryanair flights in a hotel would be cheaper than getting a train from Sheffield to London. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. It's probably, it's almost certainly more fun than getting on the <laughs> East Midlands train to London. Anyway, the, the headline is, our trip to Pisa Express. Pisa Express. The other one I've got is uh, Back to the Sun, page 26. This is bizarre. Uh, <laughs> it's about a 22-year-old called Liv Raymond, who seven years ago, at the age of 15... Bought a double-decker bus. A bus. Uh, she was. She was. She was uh, obsessed with a bus simulator video game. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that she uh, pulled together four and a half grand to buy a vehicle previously used by Arriva. Oh no, she got a loan from a friend. There we go. Okay. The bus is just four months older than than she is. There's a quote here. My parents thought it a bit odd. Yes, Liv, they would have done. Uh, any- <laughs> Where she put this bus? I don't know. I mean, I mean, like we've been living in London too long. You yeah. just think well, parking. Come yeah. on, <laughs> I mean, it's a whole bus. You've anyway, been I'm, that. I'm meant to be. I'm meant to be talking about the headline. The headline is, of course, my bus fare lady. Oh, very nice. Now on through the hard crust of the papers to the soft melting interior. Yes, it's the features sections. And let's start with A-list celebrity assistants. So both The Times and The Eye have features on this, springing off Robert De Niro's former assistant who's suing him in New York for alleged breaches of her workers' rights, and he is suing her back. Finn, what's this all about? What's going on? Uh, well, as you said, it's in The Times and The Eye, but The Times has a, a lovely deep dive on, on lots of stories of poor assistants and the mad things that their celebrity bosses make them do. The assistant in question is claiming that Robert De Niro once asked her to scratch his back, and in the court he shouted, shame on you, Chase Robinson, before then saying, if I did ask you to scratch my back, it was only once or something. Get over it. <laughs> <laughs> and then quote, I don't have time for this. Um, <laughs> um, but there are some amazing stories. I mean, apparently, and again, again, I imagine this is all alleged, but Jennifer Lopez's assistant um, wasn't allowed to look at her in the eye and had to predict when Lopez would need a snack because Lopez did not want to say the words, I'm hungry. Right. Christian Bale made his assistant watch him surf. I mean... <laughs> 
when I mean, you yeah. said made his assistant watch him, I was expecting something far worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, he's wanking on the surfboard. So I should have made that clear. Um, should have made that clear. But it's also leaves quite a sort of poignant end of the article where it talks about how you know it's quite sad that apparently in Matthew Perry's autobiography, one of the things that becomes clear is that sort of his closest friend in the world is is on his payroll, and so it's kind of this this sort of oddly familiar relationship that assistants have with their celebrity employers. But yeah, I recommend The Times. The Times too has a great a series of stories. And one of them, I think I was quite enjoying that uh, Robert De Niro's assistant said that she had to go and get him a special martini from Nobu. Oh, at 11pm. Yeah. 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 I mean, they are around the clock and these celebrity assistants, you know, it sounds like a glamorous life hanging out with celebs, five-star hotels, all this stuff. But actually, John, are they basically just full-time nannies for adult babies. Oh, that's exactly what they are. I also, it sounds a lot to me like some of these guys are probably trolling. Mm. Like there's an extent to which they're like, let's see what else we can make them do. If you get to a position in life where nobody is saying no to you, then you are probably going to lose sight of where the line is between reasonable and unreasonable behaviour. Like, I think a lot of weird celebrity behaviour is just because they are like professionally surrounded by people going, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's action that. And so like, <laughs> there's no reason to expect them to kind of be able to... I, I think like we'd all go weird in that situation. Well, I, I have... So I did a... Um, You're a celebrity, Finn, well, tell us. <laughs> no, no, but I once got... Um, for some reason, I was a speaking role that got cut out of the last Tomb Raider film. Oh. And they flew... It's all very last minute. They basically... They fit, they'd, they'd cut a scene that then got to the end of the shoot realised they needed back in they hadn't cast it so I, for some reason they got me involved and I had a trailer and everything at a proper movie studio and at five in the morning I was asked what I want for breakfast and I said well what, what is there and they said literally everything <laughs> and, and I panicked and I ended up eating fucking salmon and mango and crap. it was horrible it was disgusting because I just said well I'll have everything because you do, if you're offered everything you go mad and you, yeah. you don't know what to say no to oh yeah I've been fl- I was once flown business class to a conference when I was cause, just because I was, I was chairing a panel for some education conference back in the day and like you arrive at the airport and you're in the special business class lounge and someone offers you champagne and it's like well obviously not it's 8 yeah. o'clock in the, it's 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning that would be a mad thing to do you settle into your seat and someone says Mr Elliot would you like a glass of champagne it's like oh they know my name (laughs) and I just started drinking on from these incredible stories of glamour and misbehaviour to a story of perhaps slightly less glamorous misbehaviour we're going to Sussex a bit more domestic and my childhood favourite Drusilla's Zoo near Alfriston Finn, what's gone on at Drusilla's? Some kids built statues of meerkats on a roundabout and then the meerkats have been decapitated, removed, cut off, and the kids are not happy. Someone stole the meerkats? Someone stole some meerkats. And not real ones? No, they were topiary, which I still don't really know what, what that is. Is that stuffed? No, that's taxidermy. What yeah, is? so it's hedge. It's just their Oh, it's a hedge. hedge. Yeah. It's hedge, hedge meerkats. So the story's right. become even more kitchen irrelevant. But John, what sort of person steals two meerkats made of hedge? What's gone on here? Well, I think they're probably about six foot two. <laughs> Wear glasses. I don't know. Like, I just like. It sounds like you know when like you know you're seventeen and you nick traffic cones and mm. stuff like that. It sounds like that nonsense. Well, it's a bit more than that because they've got them off with like angle grinders, basically, haven't they? Because they were apparently metallically wedged. If you ca- I'm going to say that if you care about something, don't put it on a roundabout. Yeah. <laughs> because roundabouts point. are just platforms from which to steal. Aren't they? Mm. Well, I mean, you, you could look at it that way. Finn. I think. I think so. <laughs> Your house full of road they're signs. They're kind of. Um, they're almost like uh, international waters, aren't they? Who? Who? Because who's policing 
the things on roundabouts. Well, I did notice that although the spokeswoman from Drusilla's sounded terribly upset, she did say, we think this went in the last four to five days. They were paying no attention. Yeah, yeah. you yeah, weren't exactly. looking after those meerkats. Yeah, also, it's like... You can make more if you're that upset about what's happened to, like, that this has crushed some kids' dreams. Just cut some more hedge-based meerkats. The the kids don't care. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John Elledge. Thank you very much. And thanks to Finn Taylor. Thank you. Remember, we're now out five days a week and we would be really grateful for your support so we can keep bringing you a plethora of news and views every weekday. We are a 100% independent outfit, no big media owner behind us and spend £600 a month on papers alone. So if you could chip in a little to keep us afloat, we'd be over the moon. For as little as £3 a month, you can get every episode without adverts. Support us with a little more and you can get extended episodes with extra material, plus paper cuts mugs and devastatingly attractive t-shirts. Follow the show notes to back.papercutsshow.com to find out more. Our beloved supporters get a shout out on the show and here are three now. We'll read out one each, John. So this is an awkward moment because for my own amusement, whenever I've done this, I've kind of tried to do it in a sultry voice. And for the first time, I'm pretty sure that this is the name of someone who is a Twitter mutual. So so, um, I'd just like to say hello and thank you to the gorgeous Lucy Ingham. Finn. Hello and thank you to Marion J. Saccharin. Cool name. Very cool name. And I'd like to say hello and thanks, buddy, to Andrew Little. I've been Alex von Tunzelman and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when boffins have decreed that starfish don't have five arms. They're just disembodied heads with five kind of prongs. Uh. Never too early to start prepping your disembodied starfish head Halloween costume for next year. See you tomorrow. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Alex von Tunzelman with John Elledge and Finn Taylor. The producer was Liam Tate. The assistant producer was Adam Wright. And the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams. Socials by Jess Harpin. Design by Jim Parrott. And original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. And group editor is Andrew Harrison. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. Paper Cuts.